Again, this is an abbreviated service this evening. Uh, I'll just be giving a quick overview of Martin Luther's life. I've tried to boil it down and boil it down and boil it down to get about seven or eight minutes here uh, with you, just to give you a feel for uh, why we would celebrate the Reformation. And um, after this is done, uh, we'll take up an offering, and then we'll have a, a brief time of prayer. I'll explain the prayer to you in a little while. And then... The overwhelming majority of this evening will be spent uh, around the fires, uh, enjoying and celebrating the Reformation together. So, um, of course, uh, this year marks the 499th year since uh, Martin Luther nailed 95 theses, uh, theses to a, a door, uh, and it was, a, of course, a very important uh, time. Uh, next year, uh, we plan on doing a service like this again, and we've already got a guest speaker on the docket. We've got someone who specializes in Reformation studies. He's going to be here for both the seminary and uh, he'll be presenting in the Sunday evening service. So when we get to the 500th year, we're going to do this right. Um, tonight, we're just going to enjoy some fellowship and uh, think about Luther's heritage for a minute. Um, I would like to work my way through Luther's life very quickly in three stages um, First, his, his early years, um, and I just want to overview uh, those uh, for a minute. Uh, of course, Luther was born into a very poor family, um, although it was a poor household. His father and his mother were quite disciplined. They taught him um, discipline in his life that would come in handy in some ways uh, later as a monk. Uh, but early in his life, Luther wanted to study theology. Um, his father looked down on that, though. His father wanted him to go into law. And so um, just in your testimony to his willingness to obey his dad, um, he went and studied uh, uh, law instead of theology until he was heading home one night. Some of you probably know this story. He was heading home uh, one night after study, and he got caught in the middle of a storm, terrible storm. Uh, and it was so bad that lightning struck and knocked him off of his horse, knocked him to the ground. And so uh, Luther actually thought that he might die. And so in a bit of a foxhole quasi-conversion, because he's not really converted at this time, Luther uh, prays and tells God that, God, if you uh, allow me to make it through this storm alive, I will become uh, I'll become a religious man or I'll study theology. And so God did his part. And so Luther went and uh, became a monk, a Catholic monk, which for little kids in the room is a, a religious man. But at this time, he still did not know Jesus as his savior. So uh, Luther is a monk and he excels in the study. He likes the study of theology and excels in discipline. Both are required for being a monk. At Luther's first Mass, Mass is uh, a Roman Catholic worship service, again, for the children. Um, he's performing the Mass, and his father attends, kind of surprises him. And uh, at the end of the, the Mass, his father was not at all impressed and came up to Luther and said, Have you never read the, the verse in the Bible that says that children should honor their fathers and their mothers? He wanted him to study um, law, not theology. Well, uh, regardless, Luther continued on as a monk. Those were his early years and early development. Um, but I want to talk about his salvation. Uh, 
Fairly soon after these events, uh, Luther was transferred to Wittenberg in Germany. And uh, there in in Wittenberg, he began teaching the scriptures. He would teach uh, Psalms, Romans, things like that. And all along the while, the more he studied the scriptures, the less he could find peace. Um, So there was no internal peace for him. He wrestled through the sinfulness of mankind and the righteousness of God, especially as he taught Romans. And gradually, Luther concluded that what he needed was God's righteousness made available through the person and work of Jesus Christ. I've taught Romans class several years, and I always read uh, Luther's response to Romans 1, 16 and 17 to my students. This is Luther's testimony. He said, I had greatly longed to understand Paul's letter to the Romans, and nothing stood in the way but that one expression, the righteousness of God. Because I took it to mean that righteousness whereby God is righteous and acts righteously in punishing the unrighteous. Night and day I pondered until I grasped the truth that the righteousness of God is that righteousness whereby through grace and sheer mercy he justifies us by faith. Thereupon, when he realized that, he said, I found myself to be reborn and to have gone through open doors into paradise. The whole of scripture took on new meaning to me. And whereas before the righteousness of God had filled me with hate, now it became to me inexpressibly sweet in greater love. In other words, Luther thought that the righteousness of God only spoke of his condemnation on sinners. He's completely and fully righteous. But when he was studying through Romans, he realized that another way you can use that phrase, the righteousness of God, is to describe the righteousness that God can impute or give to other people through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus' righteousness becomes ours. And so Luther becomes converted or he's saved as he's studying Romans and Psalms in Wittenberg and he finds peace with God. Well, because of his salvation, that led to our third stage, uh, and and really, I'm just quickly overviewing. Uh, Our reformer will do much more than this next year. Uh, But uh, there were several consequences, right? Okay, if he's in the Catholic Church, and uh, he didn't understand salvation by faith in Jesus Christ alone, but then he gets it, that begins to impact him gradually as he continues to teach and minister Uh, in Catholicism. And so soon after Luther is converted, he sees these problems in the church, the Catholic church, including one of the things that really got under his skin was the selling of indulgences. Remember this from studying uh, Luther. And of course, uh, indulgences are pardons that would be offered by the Pope if you sinned. If you'd already sinned in some significant way, you could go and, and, and purchase an indulgence Uh, for the covering of that sins. You're paying to get sins covered. But Luther no longer believed that indulgences in any way helped the sinner while acknowledging that it was a significant way whereby the Catholic Church could build larger and more significant buildings. Okay, and so he began to see some of these problems. One of the things that really got under his skin uh, and especially disgusted him was a, a traveling preacher by the name of Johannes Tetzel who sold indulgences in the immediate area around where he was in Wittenberg. And Tetzel uh, was under the normal practice of selling indulgences to people so that, they, so that God would help their deceased loved ones. 
Okay, so you purchase these so that God might help those who have died. He was repulsed by Tetzel's famous saying. Man would say, when the money clangs in the box, the soul springs to heaven. It's got under Luther's skin. And so Luther responds by writing the 95 Theses. Sending them to the authorities and then probably nailing them to the door um, at a castle, at the castle church in Wittenberg on October 31st, 1570. Okay, so about 499 years ago, he nailed these theses to the wall. Later, he got in a debate with Thomas Eck uh, about theology. Eck was able to get a, a papal bull or an edict from Rome, from the Pope, that would require Luther to recant of his theology. If you study Luther's life, you realize he's not going to recant. And so the next several years in his life are uh, pretty interesting. Um, he worked, um, uh, he actually, after he, he gets this stuff from Eck, he actually has to move away, goes away to a castle in Wartburg, Germany. And uh, God used that in a significant way as well because it was in that castle that Luther began uh, a translation of the scriptures into German, German uh, language. And uh, all along the way, Luther, I think, after his conversion, tried to remain faithful and serve the Lord. Luther spends the rest of his years uh, trying to do what God would ask him to do through ups and downs. Uh, If you study Luther's life, you read a biography of his, you realize he was not a perfect saint. Uh, He did have his own struggles. He also struggled with, with many great seasons of depression in his middle age to older years, he, he felt that Satan was, uh, was uh, impacting him. Satan was uh, attempting to uh, discourage him all along the way. Some of the significant lessons I think we can take away this evening from just a quick sketch of Luther's life. One, when I think of Luther, um, I'm reminded of the concept that God is absolutely sovereign and uh, he will get whomever he chooses. Um, as you look at all of the things that God used in Luther's life to get him to a place where he's reading Romans 1, 16 and 17, and he finally gets and understands that he needs God's righteousness in the person of Jesus, it's just a reminder to us, isn't, isn't it? God is sovereign. He will get whom he chooses and calls. Then, of course, uh, I'm reminded reading Luther's life that once we are converted, we belong to Jesus. We belong to God. We must serve him through good days, strategic opportunities, but also depression, loss, and declining health. We must also be willing, after our conversion, to stand up when God would have us stand, even if it is against Uh, people who claim to be representing the scriptures well. So as I think of Luther, um, I actually have a few recommendations for you. I won't give them to you now, but if you want to do some reading on Luther before next year at this time, I've got two or three biographies I would love to give you. I love reading the biographies of Luther, and I love hearing his testimony. I always think in some ways of Luther, much like the Apostle Paul, um, you know, searching religious person, but desperately lost in his sin, 
until God through the Holy Spirit revealed that he needed righteousness in Jesus Christ. Um, So uh, that's the quick overview this evening. Now at this time, uh, I'm going to ask the ushers if you could get your plates ready and uh, come on forward for the offering. As they do that, let me just give you a feel uh, for the rest of the evening. Of course, um, when we're done with the offering, um, I'll I'll come up here and describe our prayer time uh, to you. Our prayer time is just going to go seven or eight minutes, uh, maybe 10 minutes, something like that. If you want to pray longer, you can. Okay, Um, but I would invite you just to find uh, two or three people near you there and pray together. And then when that is done, um, we're going to let you dismiss as you are done. Okay, so um, as you finish up prayer, your prayer time, you can go and uh, out to the field and you'll see all the snacks, the s'mores and uh, the hot dogs and all that kind of stuff. Some of you actually have hot dogs in your seat. I know I've seen them, uh, you know, wrapped up, of course. Uh, but uh, you can take those out to the fires and we'll enjoy those together as well. This might be the only time in the history of our church that's ever happened. But uh, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer to bless this offering. And then we'll have a quick um, uh, time of singing together. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for our time together this evening. We are, we're thankful for the heritage that we enjoy uh, in Luther. We're grateful for the willingness uh, that he had to stand even when he felt attacked and depressed. We know that he, of course, was a sinful person, saved, redeemed through the blood of Jesus. He was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But he is a good example for us to consider of the need to be willing to stand up for you when called upon. And Lord, I pray that you would enable us all to be willing to be Jesus' people, where we proclaim and boast in Christ in the midst of the culture and the times that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen.